Welcome to Mindless, a semi-serious podcast where two friends try to figure out how to be mindful, manifest their best lives, and love themselves. My name is Lorena Schutt. And I'm Kelly Niner. Join us while we try to figure out how to be more and mind less. Hey, Lorena. Hi, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. Didn't sleep very well, um, but but that's okay. I I'm actually I'm reading this book at the moment, Why We Sleep. So whenever I go, it's by Matthew Walker. It's really good. It's by this neuroscientist, and it's all about the science of sleep and dreams. But now that I've started reading it, whenever I go to bed late, I feel really guilty. Does he does he talk about how that's like unhealthy? Yeah, exactly. He talks about like how you should sleep and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, should we dive right into what we're talking about today? Yeah, because we're talking more about you today, which is exciting for me. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> well, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about tarot and more specifically because uh, for those of you listening, we didn't want it to be just another run of the mill kind of like introductory um, episode. You can find loads of that on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Um, So we're going to just make this one a bit more specific and talk more about my personal relationship with tarot and how that kind of came about. Yeah, because it's been a journey, hasn't it? Oh, yes, it has. (laughs) (laughs) okay but shall we start with the basics what even is tarot because we might have some people listening who have no idea so it's actually a really good question because depending on who you ask tarot tarot is a tool right and it can be used for a number of things depending on who you ask um the most popular one is divination or like predicting the future i personally don't necessarily believe in that in so much as like I don't believe that if you're doing a particular spread and all of a sudden you pull the death card that it means like oh someone's gonna die or something's gonna end in the future for sure definitely I use tarot more as kind of um an expression of my own intuition and my subconscious so basically it's 78 cards they're split into two arcanas major and minor the two arcanas just speak to different parts of your life, uh, major being the kind of overall big life picture. So if you get a major arcana card, it's something, it's about like the next chapter in your life, like the next big chunk. Whereas like when you pull a minor arcana card, that's kind of day-to-day stuff. Um, and even if, even though it might resonate with you very, very much in that moment and feel like it's a big chapter thing, uh, usually it's just something that's quite minuscule that in a couple of weeks time you'll forget about. You pull the cards, you can ask questions, you can use spreads, which are layouts that have particular meanings for each of the cards. And the way that I do it is basically I kind of see the meaning of each card as a possible interpretation for your own feelings, thoughts, ideas, dreams. So it's kind of like it's offering you a window to look at your own thoughts through. And through that, those suggestions, 
kind of getting a better idea of where the subconscious feelings are coming from and then getting to know them well enough so that you can actually know what to do with them in your conscious mind. (laughs) Okay, so you kind of see whatever the cards tell you as a mirror of your subconscious, whatever you've got within. Yes, and I think I think the importance of having someone who is a tarot reader is that it's kind of it kind of goes back to the same insinuation that we have when we study sociology, right? In sociology, you try your hardest to follow the scientific method and part of that is to be as objective as possible. Um, but the running joke is like, we as humans are only made up of our own experiences. Being objective is not a human trait, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's kind of impossible for us. Um, so in that same way, having someone read the cards for you, it's having someone else who's objective to what's going on in your own head, be able to look at the messages, and then maybe the way that they interpret them opens up, you know, a new window, a new door for you to look at your feelings through that you may have never thought of before. Because maybe your relationship with one card is so much one way that it takes for someone else to be like, actually, have you considered blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) So for you to see a different perspective, pretty much. Yes. I mean, I'm, (laughs) I don't know if you mentioned this before, but in astrology, I'm a Virgo moon very analytical, methodical. I absolutely adore anything that gives me um, a different framework for a new perspective that allows me different ways of analyzing something. Like it's just delicious to me. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how exactly do tarot cards work then? Because for me, what, what you were speaking about before about like the predicting the future, that was kind of like the before I got to know you and before I like heard a bit about this topic, that was kind of what I associated it with. And I was always like, well, that's bullshit because my future is in my hands. And the only thing that it could do to me, it would be because I kind of create my reality, right? So if someone tells me this and that is going to happen in the future, that might taint my idea of my future. And it might be like a self-fulfilling prophecy rather than anything else. But then obviously I got to know you and whilst you don't use it to predict the future, you kind of use it to read your and my energy. So like whenever I get a reading from you, I do really enjoy it because I see, as you said, I see what I've got in my subconscious and I see it interpreted through your lens and thereby I do see perspectives that I didn't see before. But how exactly does that work? Like, how do these cards give a person guidance or advice? How does this work? There's there's a lot of answers to that question. I think it's important to probably um, mention why I started reading in the first place, which is I picked it up, I think it's probably two and a half years ago at this point, when I kind of started to realize I was really fucking depressed. It might sound silly and quite woo to some people, but I felt a calling right? There is something inside of me that was like, that was pulling me towards a more spiritual path. And for a while, I thought maybe that was like a more witchy version of spirituality, which I still hold quite dear some aspects of. But when I found tarot, 
again, it was just that combination of it's like journaling with pictures and allowing yourself to analyze things from different perspectives that you might never have never thought of on your own. And especially for someone where my depression coincided with very high levels of anxiety, having a card that's like, this is what you need to focus on right now, taking you out of that like anxious thought tornado. I found that so helpful (laughs) and incredibly grounding. Because you said earlier, it's kind of like, you kind of see it as a bit of a mirror of your subconscious. Do you think it's kind of like a mirror? Because now that you're associating it with your mental health, and obviously the thing with, for example, anxiety or depression is you see things through that lens, but it's not really you. Like, it's just like that depressed or anxious layer is just over you, but that's not who you really are. Do you think the cards maybe show you the truth as in, And it's not just an expression of your subconscious. It's an expression of your higher self or whatever you may call that, like your God self, whatever, like that spirit within rather than that egoic layer that is maybe tainted. Tainted is the wrong word because I don't want it to sound negative, like the ego isn't bad. But you know what I mean? Like that has these layers of anxiety or depression that that aren't really you. Yes, (laughs) <laughs> long story short the so tarot cards are on purpose very very vague each card represents quite a big idea right and then in this idea there's lots of little variations and possibilities that could go certain ways depending on you know the kind of spread that it's in or even the other cards around it right because of this and on top of all of that each arcana and each suit in the minor arcana tells its own story. And if you're familiar with the story, then you can also kind of help situate yourself in that as well. All of these stories, more than anything else, are about the fact that human life is about cycles. Kelly and I watched Samsara um, about a month ago when we were still able to meet other humans. Um. (laughs) Oh, those were the days... (laughs) Yeah. Remember hugs? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a Buddhist film, and it's all about death and rebirth and cycles. The major arcana, especially, it tells the whole story of a cycle from from start to end. But the whole point is, as well, is that once you start to get to know the cards, there isn't really ever an end, right? Because every time something makes space or dies or ends or finishes it means that there's room for something else to start right so like yeah. this is a never ending thing so the purpose of me explaining all of that is that when i was using these cards as a coping mechanism when my mental health was really bad the things that they remind you are always things like trust yourself they'll remind you that you have help you have access to help if that's what you need, whatever that looks like. They remind you of love. They remind you to step outside of yourself. Like there are so many in the same way that, you know, everybody's always terrified of the tower. Love the tower. It's one of my favorite cards. I do too. It's a card in the major arcana that is usually depicted particularly in mainstream decks like, um, the Rider Waite 
Uh, it's got a giant tower on it, obviously. There's usually a person falling from the top of the tower and like either lightning or an explosion or something has has burst the tower and everything is crumbling, right? Everything is falling the fuck apart. And this is a card about major change and not just major change, but something that is like that explosion or that bolt of lightning completely and totally out of your control. And I think people are afraid of it because of the natural human inclination to just be afraid of change. But if we're talking about how the one thing that is always constant in our humanity, like that's it, right? So it's actually, if you can make friends with something like that, then the tower is actually kind of exciting. This is exactly what our current environment is. We have this big, massive change and people are scared. We don't know what's going to come after. And uncertainty can be terrifying, but it can also lead to something good. You never know. I think I think uh, another side of that as well is like the thing that comes with change, with big change like that, is that that lack of control as well. And I think people don't like being reminded that at the end of the day, we really don't have control over a lot. Tarot reminds me that the one thing that I do have control over is how I react to my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So uh, we were talking about your journey a bit earlier, but uh, I thought maybe you wanted to go into a bit more detail because I kind of interrupted you there with my question about your inner, your higher self. (laughs) No, I enjoyed it. So you discovered it through, basically you felt a calling and then it helped you to cope or see beyond your mental health issues. It's basically like it was... It became a grounding technique for me when I was too anxious to do anything, really. You know, you can ask you can ask a very specific question, you can pull for a very particular spread, and it for like I said earlier, it forces you to deal with what's right in front of you. And I know I've said in the past that for someone like myself with my particular flavor of anxiety, having that ability to only focus on one thing at a time is so grounding there's a sense of stability that comes with that um that like (laughs) if it weren't for tarot and counseling like i don't really know where i would be right now (laughs) because it legitimately feels like you're fighting with yourself inside of your own head i think i've i described it earlier like yeah like you're just constantly arguing with yourself because your brain invents these fake arguments that have never happened and then all of a sudden you want to be defensive and then before you know it you've had this like showdown with someone who upset you three days ago that's like ended in people like you know throwing punches or whatever and then you come out of it and you're like literally none of that happened and my heart is beating so fast right now (laughs) yeah because your body creates the experience even if it's just in your head so yeah I was able I was able to you know, reach for tarot when I felt that happening and ask the right questions, use the right spreads to kind of be like, where is this fear coming from? Like, why, what, what is this, these feelings, this defensiveness actually about? And how has your journey with tarot been from then on? Because that's how you started, right? Like that's, that was your, not necessarily your motivation, because you said you just felt a calling to it, but that was like how you started out and how it helped you cope. But obviously that was a few years ago. So like how has your journey developed and where are you now? 
I, I, I just kind of fell in love, you know, like it's something I really enjoy doing. And, you know, it coincided with the point in my therapy that I realized uh, I'm really shit at talking to people about my feelings. <laughs> so opening up to you and our other friends about, hey, actually, I've been using this coping mechanism. It's really helpful for me was just kind of like the first step of being like, also, I've been really fucking depressed or like being able to then open up about more specific feelings or emotions that I had been having. And you realize that with practice, like anything else, you know, you, you start getting good at it. And yeah, it's nice to be able to offer a service that helps people feel as grounded as it helps me feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I could see your journey, obviously, because we, I think we became friends shortly after you started reading probably. And I see your development in that. Like I let you, like in the beginning, I let you practice on me all the time. And I wasn't even interested really because I was skeptical, you know, but yeah, like I can see how you've become a lot more intuitive with it and a lot more like you put a lot more of yourself into it now. And like, you can see that you've been doing it for a while and like what well, that it brings you joy as well, which is really good. So how exactly did you teach yourself then? Because obviously like you started from nowhere, right? Finding a deck that you really feel bonded with, that's really important. Because the first deck that I ever got, actually, uh, my sister bought it for me when I first, when I, because she was one of the first people that I told her, or I was like, I'm thinking about like trying to get into this again. Uh, and she had been visiting. And because she's an actual angel, she, uh, while I was at work one day, she found a shop and she bought me this deck. And it's to this day, it's a deck that's still quite close to my heart, but it's a very different deck. Um, it's the Hieronymus Bosch deck. If anybody knows who Hieronymus Bosch is, he's typified for very absurdist, surreal, sometimes nightmarish style paintings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's one of those ones where, like, if you've seen him once, you'll never forget because there's nobody else who paints like him. <laughs> yeah, very, very direct. Yes. Very harsh, actually. Aggressive, yes. And this was the deck that I first started learning in. But because the, the depictions in these cards are so absurdist, it wasn't a very good deck to try and learn with. You really want a deck where when you look at the pictures, you can actually hear them talking to you. That there's something about the symbolism or the colors or the way that the pictures look where it's almost like a snap, like, oh, obviously that stands for this. Obviously this, this is about X, Y, Z. And for me, that deck is called the Numinous Tarot um, by, I believe his name is Noel Hempel. If that's wrong, it'll be in the show notes because uh, they're amazing. And they're the ones that I pretty much learned top to bottom with. They are incredibly colorful. They are very queer and body positive and inclusive. There's 
literally depictions of almost every type of person in these cards. And they just make me really happy. And it was one of those ones where I had spent like three hours up late at night looking for a deck uh, after my Bosch deck had given me like the third middle finger of the evening. (laughs) And uh, as soon as I saw it, like the person who makes the deck as well, they're in the States and I didn't even care. I was like, I'm going to buy it. It's happening. And I bought, I bought a deck for my sister as well. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess if you feel it, like it makes such a difference because like, you know, that I've like, I'm not really into tarot, but like you kind of like got me a bit intrigued and we were together in, in, in a local shop here in Edinburgh. We should name it Black Moon Botanica on Candlemaker Row in Edinburgh. It's a fantastic shop. It's a really great shop. Let's promote Brooke a little bit. But yeah, as so often, I was just like, we were in in the shop just looking at things, (laughs) being like mesmerized by everything. It's a dangerous shop for, for, well, I think for both of us, but as someone who has witchy inclinations, like I could rationalize buying everything in there. (laughs) (laughs) we were in there and I was looking at the tarot decks and I had no interest in buying one at all but I saw this deck and it's um it's the star child tarot I don't know who it's by but I can put it in the show notes as well and I just looked at it and I felt so called to like look at it and open it and I literally fell in love and then I started reading the book about it a little bit and I was like holy shit that's me (laughs) it's talking about me (laughs) and that now I like it like I won't really read a lot because it's not really I don't feel called to it but um, it's quite interesting to me and it's also interesting to me when you sometimes read with mine because it's totally different it's a totally different energy from when you use yours not not better or worse, but it's just different. No, it's the same. It's the same as like, and anybody who's listening who's read Terra before, like every deck kind of has their own flavor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's like the, and because of that as well, like the interpretations for specific cards might even be like, you know, slightly different or completely different just because they have their own personalities, you know, like, yeah. So how do you think people can benefit from a reading, especially like an external reading? Because you obviously you read for yourself as well. But like if someone's like, "Hmm, I'm interested in getting a reading from someone from a professional, should I? How how do you think they could benefit from it? Go in with an open mind. Definitely go in knowing that the answers that you're going to get, you probably already have an inkling. Yeah. I love tarot for its like wake up call (laughs) kind of characteristic that it has. Um, And actually Lorraine and I were just talking about this earlier as well, is that if you practice enough, you tend to get follower cards, which are cards that you will pull again and again and again, (laughs) doing three readings in a row and every single time having the fucking eight of swords, like, (laughs) Which um, is like the anxiety card. (laughs) Kelly's favorite. (laughs) Oh, God. Me and that card. I would say also go in knowing that you're not going to get a direct answer. That's not how they work. 
they're not like it's why i don't particularly like doing yes or no one card pulls because there's only so many cards that in my opinion are like definitely yes or definitely no um like for example the nine of cups like if you pull that card it's called like the wish card if you pull that card it's yes but like otherwise there's so much else going on i don't really think tarot is for people who have this kind of like absolutist mindset of like it's either one thing or another um and i think it it thrives actually in that gray space in between um and sometimes that gray space that you're ignoring is where your answers are <laughs> Yeah. And as you say, like, if it's a mirror of your subconscious, like it can never be a clear answer. And as you say, you probably like you already have the answers within it's all within already. It will just lay out to you what you already know and clarify it a little bit, maybe or like confirm what you've already got inside. And I guess sometimes you might not like that. And that's why I don't like to get readings very often because I will actually only get a reading if I'm 100% solid in, let's call it my mental diet. If I'm like, if I'm 100% sure of myself and like how I can perceive things. Like if I get, if I get the death card that I'm like, cool, I see that in a positive way. I will only go into a reading if I perceive if I know I can perceive it from a positive mindset if I already have kind of like a negative connotation first of all the cards are going to reflect that back to me because they're going to read my subconscious but also if I get that I'm going to let it affect me and I'm going to reiterate like the that self-fulfilling prophecy that I was talking about but if I have a completely like not necessarily positive perspective but if I'm being mindful of it and if I have if I have like if I'm solid in my own perceptions then whatever may come may come and I can like use it as actual guidance rather than let it affect my mental state exactly yeah and I think like the the practice for myself as well has also been a lot about like strengthening my own intuition and for someone because of my anxiety, it's quite, I know I've said this before, but it's quite difficult to know like what bits that are floating around in my head are me and what bits are like my mental illness. So be, so being able to like pull a card and immediately know that like, yes, I know this is true. Like, where is this coming from? And why have I not paid it any attention until now? Like yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Anxiety and intuition can easily be mistaken for each other but are very very distinctively different like if you have like an intuition whether that's positive or negative it's you feel calm yes you feel calm about it when you feel like when you have that same inkling but you get like this nervous fear anxious feeling that's not your intuition that's not like your true self talking I think the thing for me as well is that depending on the person, like if I'm reading for someone else, mm -hmm. like my intuitive feelings tend to come from my gut anyways, but they still feel different than anxiety. Like they don't feel like, fuck, I'm going to die. 
<laughs> yeah, on that note, um, how do you find it different reading for yourself or for someone else? Like, do you find one easier than the other? Do you find both equally difficult or, or easy? Um, how, how do you perceive that? And should people like who are interested in Tarun, who are interested in learning it, should they try and read themselves or should they go to a professional or a friend or whatever? What would you recommend? I think at the end of the day, it's always going to be up to you, right? Like um, up to what you think your practice is serving, like what do you think its its purpose is? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it. Long story short, yes, it's it's definitely different reading for myself versus reading for other people. Funnily enough, I actually, I find it it's a lot more exhausting reading for other people. Mm-hmm. I can do like three spreads in a row, five cards, three cards each in the span of like half an hour, glance at them and be like, huh, yep, next one. <laughs> like, But again, it's because it's kind of that, it's, it's this like visual journaling, right? I'm just, I'm reaffirming stuff or maybe like tending to things that I know I haven't tended to that deserve um, my time. Uh, whereas for other people, It really is a collaboration, even if it's just an energy, which is also why like (sighs) for the benefit of the reader and for the benefit of yourself, like if you're skeptical, that's totally cool. Go to a reader. Like you don't need to be an asshole if you don't necessarily believe it, right? If someone wants to read for me, I'm like, cool, I'm going to give you nothing. (laughs) I would rather, this is the thing, is I would rather have nothing than someone who's just outright like, that's not true. And I'm like, cool, you know, mm-hmm. like, it might not be. <laughs> Don't shit on me. <laughs> There's always a possibility in that. But you have to, you have to r- remember that regardless of whether or not you actually think it's true or real or valid, whatever word you want to use for it, this person is still expending a lot of energy basically like translating another language for you yeah. and to just flat out be like, no, that's not it. It's like, <laughs> I like that you explain it as like another language because I like, I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, how do you get that out of that card? I have no idea. Practice all of the practice. That was actually something I wanted to say earlier. Cause I think you asked me and then we moved on to something else, but for other, for other people that are looking to get into it in the beginning, after I found a deck that I really, really bonded with, like read every single day and journal it out, like pull a card, immediately write down what that card says to you, like everything that it says to you. And this is the thing. When you're writing it down, you're not worrying about quote unquote, getting it right. You're literally writing down what you think the card means on instinct, because this is how you strengthen your intuition, right? You're unlocking that part of yourself that is always taking in messages from the universe and always having to translate them for your conscious self, right? You're just actively turning it on now. And yet, the more that you do that, like one day you'll start to realize that your instincts are right almost all the time. Uh, And then it's just about confidence in then using that language to translate someone else's energy. So I think I I asked about this earlier to an extent, but 
who should even start looking into it? Like, who would you recommend it to? Be that giving a reading, uh, getting a reading, or be that looking into doing it themselves? If I'm listening to this podcast now and I'm like, cool, that's interesting, but like, I, I don't get why I should do it. Who would you recommend to to look into it, this? Honestly, I think if you're, I think just like a minimal interest is the only thing that's needed. But I do want to say as well that like, A, like try not to take it too seriously. Try not to take yourself too seriously, especially when you're learning. I used to be on a couple of witchy forums and having especially younger people message on a pretty regular basis being like, hey, I'm starting to look into tarot. Uh, I'm starting to learn. But like, you know, how can I learn it the fastest? Da, 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 da. And then you come to find out that like they've only been doing it for a week. There's 78 cards and they all mean so many different things depending on like what spread they're in or what they're next to. This isn't something that you're just going to like read a book and then the next day be like, I can read tarot, but up, but up. Like, no, that's not how it works. Even to this day, there's still, I was actually saying to Lorena before this, before we started recording, there are still some cards that while I know what they mean, I'm not familiar with them in a particular way that I would be with other cards just because I haven't pulled them for myself. Or if I do pull them, I pull them in the context of reading for like one specific person. So yeah, so it's just, it's just a journey. It's a constant, it's a constant learning, you know, like, you, and you always, there's always room for improvement as well. So I think, I think to answer your question, it depends on what you think you're going to be using it for. If this is a coping mechanism tool, then the whole like remembering what they mean, blah, blah, blah. Like that's not really necessary. There's a thousand reference books um, and guides and even like, you know, Biddy Tarot online is amazing. Mm -hmm. But there are a thousand things that can help you translate the cards yourself where you don't actually need to have all of them memorized. And if that's what you're using it for, that's totally not necessary. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it depends. Yeah. When you do a reading, would you recommend going into it with a specific question or would you recommend just keeping it general? Like what what do you find it more useful for or what are the benefits of both? It's funny because even though the tarot cards are vague, it's a lot more fun reading for specific questions just because the question itself provides a framework for how you can interpret that card, right? So a specific question helps narrow down a very, very vague tarot card. Um, and so I, I think specific ones are a lot more fun, especially depending on what cards you pull. <laughs> but you did say specific ones, but not yes or no. So open, spe specific open questions. Yeah, and it's because yes or no, like a yes or no question only allows for you to pull one card, right? Like, mm -hmm. and because one card can mean so many things, that's not really going to provide a lot of insight. Whereas say a lot of my clients will ask questions about relationships with people. Even, even just starting there is like great, you know, pulling the, let's say the lover's card mm -hmm. in that kind of spread would be a lot different than if someone's like, what path should I take in my career? Do you know what I mean? Like the context of the card has already changed because it's going through a framework of a different question. 
And I guess it makes sense also because you say because the cards are so vague and they can have so many different meanings and interpretations, it makes sense that depending on the question that you ask, that will differ. Exactly. And it's like, it's weird because they're, they're vague, but they're also like, do you know how in Japan they have like 7,000 different types of Kit Kats? No, I did not know that. <laughs> this is new information to me, but every day is a school day. Thank you for telling me this. <laughs> um, it, well, yes, yeah, so they do. But yeah, so it's, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like how on its face value, some cards will sound like they're saying the same thing, but they're actually slightly different flavors of each other. Yeah. Because of where they're coming from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Since I asked you before who would you recommend to look into this? Is there anyone where you'd say, maybe not the right time for you? Maybe this is not your tool. Like, are, is, are there cases where you're like, I, I wouldn't look into this? Or maybe not now? Personally, I'm always a bit skeptical of people who are solely using tarot as a way to make money. Mm-hmm. I personally am doing this, but it's happened in a reverse way as well, where like we live in a capitalist society. I provide a service through having, um, you know, a highly professional skill in something. So yes, because we live in the society, it's like I should be able to ask for compensation for my labor. Yeah. I'd be curious if there are other people who disagree with me and I, I would highly appreciate anybody calling in if you have a very different experience of this but i struggle if your goal is to make money off of this i struggle to see how your intuition is going to grow when the end goal is that you just want to be good at this to make money mm -hmm. and how about people who would like to look into this not necessarily to learn or to provide a service for others but who want to get readings are there also people where you like maybe not for you or maybe not for you at this time or do you think anyone could benefit from a reading honestly like I said before as long as you remain open and yeah I think I think finding a reader that really jives with you it's the same as kind of like finding uh finding the right therapist but like there are loads of coaches and therapists out there that are really good at what they do but you know because maybe you look at the world in such a specific way you know their form of help isn't necessarily going to mesh with you and that's okay just in the same way that like I'm very clear in my terms and conditions that like, I'm not a psychic. <laughs> I'm not trying to predict the future for you. Um, yeah. I know some people who are, who are mediums, if that's what you're looking for. And I can totally 100% recommend them. But like those. That's not what you do. No, that's not part of my services. No. And I guess um, what you were comparing it to with therapists and coaches Yeah, like you have to find the right therapist or coach for you. But also, sometimes it's even good to like have the wrong one just to know what you don't want and what you don't click with. Because I've made that experience where both in therapy and also in coaching, where I have had therapists where I didn't necessarily click with them, which doesn't mean that they're bad. They just weren't like the right fit for me. And likewise, I've had coaches 
that I didn't resonate with and coaches that I resonate with a lot. And both parts, like both types of people or types of coaches have taught me so much about myself, but also like for my own coaching skills once I started. Like, I don't think I would be like, I think it made me a better coach. And I think the same could apply for tarot. Like if you know, like people who, who have a completely different style from you, you can definitely, when you're reading, learn from that, learn from that in a sense, oh, maybe I should try this as well. Or that is totally not my thing, but I'm glad I saw this or experienced this. Yeah. I think, I think the other thing as well that you touched on with that is like in all of these professions, like the main thing that we're doing is it's a customer service, right? Like it's a client-based profession. And I think that if you're someone who has been reading for a while and maybe you are looking to turn it into a business, you have to remember that at the end of the day, like that customer is always right mentality is going to even follow your your clients. Yeah. And you know, you you just you just have to be aware that that will always exist in a capitalist society, unfortunately. And I I also think that's why I tend to be good at it. I have a very very long history in the customer service se- section. Um since you offer readings as well, but in the current circumstances, of course, you can't exactly meet with people. So you offer readings via Skype or audios. First of all, promote yourself a little. Where can we find you? Uh, but also as a follow on from that, my question is, how does reading online differ from reading in person? I think, okay, so first to plug myself, uh, if you're interested in the reading, get at me on Instagram. I'm at and I'm a fucking Libra. I'll be happy to send you my prices, the kind of services that I offer. And yeah, so in this current point in time, I am happy to basically pull for people like say if someone just wants a really quick reading three card reading and they get in touch with me on Instagram, I'll just pull for them right then and there. They'll pay for me. I'll send them the results. I do prefer to send results in a video because I like being able to talk through to that person. I like the idea that the person can see my face Mm -hmm. when I'm explaining the cards because I think it adds a personal touch. Yeah. I mean, like, why else would you pay me if I was just going to, like, type, typeity type, type? Like, you could have just, like, you know, I don't know, gone on some, like, tarot generator thing and gotten some, like, typed response somewhere. But, you know, that's where my uniqueness is in reading the cards is, like, you're getting a reading from me. I do offer – I offer session readings, basically, like, half an hour, an hour. And, uh, you know, you can ask as many questions as you want within the allotted time. I'll pull as many cards as you'd like. I – very much for myself. I enjoy those readings so much more just because it gives you in the same way that like, I think people deserve being able to get my personality through some kind of visual cues. It's, it's really, really lovely to kind of get that immediate feedback energy wise when you're reading from for someone and you can see their reaction Mm -hmm. you can see how they take in a card even if there isn't a reaction that's still a reaction if you know what I mean yeah 
like that still means something and being able to kind of pick up on people's energy like that. Um, yeah, I definitely prefer that over the long haul. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. And also like, yeah, when you're like in person with someone, it's always the easiest to like pick up on energy, like whatever you, you might perceive as energy, whether that's like a spiritual thing for you or whether that's just like how they are. Like, it, like you could also see that in therapy for example yeah or like um like you and I were talking about this earlier because I actually I did a, a a workshop with Amber Lee Alchemy uh she's a tarot reader as well here in Edinburgh and um just talking about picking up on other people's energies if you are in person um and she specifically was talking about how like you know she's used to doing a lot of readings in pubs and stuff like that or places that are very busy where you have other people, not just the person you're reading for, like around and kind of knowing and being very firm when you have that moment where you've pulled a card and you know, it's not for that person because someone else has kind of like influenced it. And yeah, it's one of those things that feels quite awkward because it makes you feel like you, you understand that like telling that other person makes it seem like you're lying, but like you just know when you pull a card and you're like, this is not for you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds a bit woo woo. It, I know. It totally does. It totally does. But like, I don't know. There's just something. Uh, yeah, there's it's a very instant kind of feeling when you pull a card and you're like, oh, fuck, that's actually mine. Sorry. Like, <laughs> Um, you mentioned before as well that it's a practice, right? Like it took you a while to get to this point. Do you also consider it a gift? Because I've heard people say that before that it's it's a gift as well. Could it be both? Could it be could people just be really gifted to to already like intuitively read cards the right way? Or could there be people who like don't have any gift for for it, quote unquote gift, but with enough practice, they would be able to hone their intuition in that way. Because everybody has like an inner higher self and intuition, a God self, like it's all one consciousness. So, so how, how would you perceive that? I think, I think there's a couple of things to be said there. I think, um, I mean, like, so it's, it's first and foremost about the kind of person that's going to be drawn to reading tarot if you're drawn to this kind of thing there's a very high chance that you probably are a very empathetic intuitive person right like i don't really see someone who is more on the absolutist kind of clinical side of stuff wanting to read tarot do you know what i mean like it it probably just seems pointless to those kind of people that being said I do know people who tend to read in kind of a more like strategic, almost clinical analytical style mm -hmm. that doesn't, and that isn't to say because obviously like I'm not this person and I don't know how they're reading. That isn't to say that they're reading without feeling or without empathy, but just that the way that they deliver what the cards have to say is a lot more kind of like X, Y, Z rather than like, X, Q, B, 7. <laughs> like, if I'm making any sense. That's funny, Virgo Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even at the even at the workshop yesterday, it was really funny because, like, uh, Amber's a Libra, like myself. And she said something about, like, 
wanting to make sure that the whole world is healed or something like that. And I am really glad my mic was off because I burst into laughter. And it's just like, yeah, I'd be curious to see like exactly what kind of people tend to be drawn to this. It would be very uncharacteristic of me to say that I don't think it's necessarily for any particular type of person. I think if you feel the calling, then like go for it. But also just know that, like I said, it's work. It isn't just a case of like making up some flashcards and memorizing some stuff. Like it's going to be more than that. The last question I have then is because reading tarot is also part of your spiritual practice, right? It's a big part of your spiritual practice. Is it the main part? And do you have other things that are part of your spiritual practice and how does tarot fit in there? So I'd say like the, the core of my spirituality is made up of meditation, tarot, and astrology. And all of these things offer me space and perspective, but in different ways. Mm -hmm. Tarot is kind of the thing that is more for like the mind meditation is kind of a co a coalescing of all of those things like mind body spirit mm -hmm. then astrology is kind of yeah i would say that's that's mostly where my spiritual practice lies it's funny because i think a lot of people who aren't into astrology who know people who are mm -hmm. think that we take ourselves very seriously but astrology actually does the opposite for me It's like it's like a way of looking at something that forces you to not take yourself so seriously because again it's about like the bigger picture right like the planets the stars the moon like reminding us of like our smallness and how insignificant we kind of are at the end of the day and I relish that because it reminds me that there's freedom that's so interesting because I think we had this uh, a few episodes ago as well where you were speaking about looking at the night sky, looking at the stars and that reminding you of like how insignificant you are and how small you are in the grand scheme of things. And I see it completely the opposite. It makes me feel really big and really important because it makes me feel really connected. And I'm looking at the stars or I'm looking at the planets and I'm like, I'm made of the same stuff. I'm fucking amazing. <laughs> so it's like the opposite. It makes me feel like not small. I mean, there's definitely something in there about like the connectedness that you said, like especially with like the moon. I've always felt a really special connection with the moon. Which is my favorite tarot card, by the way. Oh, it's a great card. But yeah, something, something about how like, you know, you and someone else could be in completely different parts of the world, but you're both looking up at the same moon, you know, when you do see it, like it's the same, it's the same one. Yeah. I've always had a really strong connection to the moon. And I think it's because of that, because I've traveled a lot, but wherever I am, whether that's quote unquote home or somewhere foreign, the moon is always there. So that's the moon is home to me. Yes, I very, I very much agree with that. Yeah, maybe that's why why it's my favorite card. What's your favorite card? I've not asked you that. My favorite card. I really like the Ten of Cups. It because it's basically about like emotional abundance and harmony. Like it's just this, it's this card where like everybody together feels so much like emotional fulfillment 
that like they're able to kind of support each other. I don't know. I, I so I really like that card. I mean, justice because <laughs> I'm a Libra. What's my card? I was just gonna say that. Can you guess? Because I, I, I think it's hilarious, but I'm wondering what you would think about it. <laughs> I have no idea because I don't feel. I can't think of anything I feel like connected to. Tell me. The devil. Oh, oh, God. But then like, so it's important to explain as well. That's like my least favorite card. I mean, but I think there's a reason for that. Like, I think so too. <laughs> because the devil isn't about like this quintessential kind of like w when people think of Christian versions of like God and the devil, the devil is more about like our shadow selves and the vices, the the distractions. When I see the devil, I think more like kind of Dionysus, like the mythological god of like wine and fornication and, you know, all of this delicious stuff. And so the devil card is kind of more about accepting that everybody's going to have those vices and then figuring out how or if or why we're being limited by them yeah i think that's why i don't why i don't like it i think it's not about like the quote-unquote dark side of it right that i don't like what i don't like about it is like even when you look at the card it's like this feeling of limitation being trapped not being free that's what like that's the feeling it gives me right but then this is kind of the point is that like it it makes you think about about if that's true, you know, and because at the end of the day, the whole point of the devil card is to remind you that there is freedom in accepting all of our foibles, right? That there is freedom in accepting or like, and at least admitting when we're maybe overindulging in something or when something does have too much of a hold on us, that that actually there's freedom in accepting all of that. That that I completely agree with. Yeah. Um, but I think that's not what I don't like about it. It's just like the... The way it's pictured, you know, like it's this like being trapped rather than because I'm very much about when I think about anything negative, anything I'm overindulging in, I am very fond of trying to accept that. And the devil card reminds me of the opposite, that it's, it's holding me back, whereas I'm like, no, I don't want it to hold me back. Like it doesn't have to. You know, I only interpret things in the way that they'll serve me because everything always works out in my favor. You are such a fucking Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say like there's other cards that are quite obvious, like the four and six of wands is like they're really, really good um, kind of like joyous, rejoiceful cards. Um but then also at the end of the day, like I mentioned the Eight of Swords earlier, which was one where when I first started to practice was like a follower card of mine. And I actually quite like that card now. We have a very deep relationship. Shift in perspective. How beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else um, I didn't ask you about that you would like to point out? Anything we didn't touch on? 
Nothing that I can think of. I think just as a general disclaimer, I'd like to say as well, like, you know, my relationship with tarot, my experience with tarot obviously is going to be very different to a lot of other people's. And it's only one journey, right? It's only one perspective. I know a lot of other people that use it in a much more spiritual way than I do. A lot of people that do use it for divination. A lot of people um, who are drawn to it through witchier aspects. And I think the point of all of this, right, is like in the same way that, you know, we humans are so messy, there isn't just one way to read tarot. And I don't think that anyone's way is ever going to necessarily be wrong. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just a tool, as you say. It's just a tool, nothing more. Exactly. And how you use it depends on who is using it, right? Like, Yeah, that's true. Cool. I think that's it then. Um, do you want to plug your social media real quick or email address if you have one, just in case people want to reach out to you directly? So I know I said it earlier, but just in case you missed it the first time, my Instagram is at and I'm a fucking Libra. And my email is my full name, Kelly Niner, K-E-L-L-Y-N-I-N-E-R at gmail.com. Always available on both of those uh, platforms to reach out for readings. And yeah, let me hit me up. I would love to interpret the cards for you. Awesome. Kelly is really good at it. I can confirm. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to wrap up then. Yes. As per usual, guys, uh, leave us all of the feedback on all of our social media, Mindless Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Again, if uh, you have anything bad to say, maybe don't. Uh, constructive criticism only. I do really want want feedback. Um, I mean, positive feedback is always good, but even negative feedback can be can be helpful. <laughs> Just be gentle. I'm squishy. <laughs> I'm okay. I can take it. I can filter it. (laughs) Thanks, mom. (laughs) Anyways, uh, that'll be it for us. And we'll see you guys next time. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Bye.